0: The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, good morning, everyone. How you guys doing? Great. Good. It's good to be here. I'm excited to share with you. I just want to take a moment and just how about Pastor Josh? Can we just honor him and and just thank God for him? He, he leads this church so well. I get to see you behind the scenes. You guys get to see him up here on stage. And I just felt led to share this morning just what a heart he has for this church and what great faith he has. And just this morning, I'm getting up really early because the hair, the makeup, it, t- it takes a while. Uh, but he's getting up early to come and help set up. And every Sunday that we've had church, he's been here. He's with Jake. He's with the Dream Team, setting up, faithfully serving this church. So he's not only just serving you guys, preaching these amazing words every week, but serving, setting up. And um, he's just a servant leader, and I'm proud of him. So thank you, Pastor Josh, for leading this, this thing so well. Uh, We had baby dedications this morning. Some of you may have walked in on that. It was really sweet. Four little babies dedicated. And uh, I just wanted to do a little plug here for our nursery and preschool teams. If you are not currently serving... Would you please pray about joining those teams? We need some help in the nursery in the one-year-old class where we really teach these, these babies and these little one-year-olds a lesson each week. They get the Bibles out. They have a picture of Jesus in their Bible. They sing songs about Jesus. We, we hold up little mirrors and show them their reflection and talk about how much Jesus loves them. It's really special, super fun classes to be a part of. So if you are not serving... Would you please uh, consider serving in that class? And if you want to do so, uh, fill out your Connect card, that blue card you got when you walked in. There's a box on there that says, I'd like more information about serving. Check that and maybe put a little note about preschool. And Courtney Haggard, who is our amazing nursery and preschool director, will get in touch with you and and find out how you can get plugged in. All right. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Mark chapter 8. The name of this message is The Miracle Mindset or A Miracle Mindset Mark chapter 8. We're going to hang out here pretty much all morning, so go ahead and get comfortable. Get there in your Bible. Get your notebooks out, and we're going to look at one of Jesus's miracles, and it's very similar to another one of Jesus's miracles, but that miracle is the one that's gotten all the press the last 2,000 plus years. This miracle's not as popular as the other one, which is the feeding of the 5,000. If you ask anybody... Churched or unchurched to talk about some of the miracles that Jesus did when He walked the earth. They're going to mention the feeding of the five thousand. We all are familiar with the service. If you've got a a four and five year old that goes to New Song, you probably came home with a sheet of paper a couple of weeks ago where they have five loaves of bread and two fish, and we were teaching them that that Jesus uh, was with this crowd of five thousand people. They were hungry. They didn't have any food. Jesus takes five loaves, two bread. And er, five loaves of bread, two fish, and he multiplies it and feeds a crowd of 5,000 plus people, women and children included. It's an amazing story. And it's, like I said, it's the one that's gotten all the press. It's going to be the one that's talked about in Sunday school. It's going to be the one that's in your kid's Bible, the feeding of the 5,000. But did you know that Jesus also fed 4,000? It's just two chapters later. If you read through the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, you'll first read the the feeding of the 5,000, and then just two chapters later, you read about the 4,000. And because... 5,000 is more impressive than 4,000. The feeding of the 5,000 is the one that always gets talked about, right? I, under, I understand. It's just more impressive. 5,000 is more impressive than 4,000. And it also happened first. So if you're reading through the Gospels and you're in Matthew... And you read the story of the, five, the feeding of the 5,000, and you're like, wow, that's really awesome. You flip over it a couple chapters, and then you start to read, and it's almost the same setup. You're kind of like, oh, I already read this, and you just kind of skim over it. But I love this story of the feeding of the 5,000. I love that Matthew and Mark both chose to include it in their Gospels, even though it was so sim- similar to a miracle they had just Written about that tells me that there's something here. There's a purpose. There's a reason that this story made it into the gospel. So that's what we're going to study this morning, Mark chapter eight. Let's look at verse one, and it's on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. All right, it says about this time another large crowd had gathered. This is another crowd. It's a different crowd. Same. It's not the same crowd that was fed earlier. It's another crowd. They're in a different region, different landscape, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples. And told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way. For some of them have come a long distance. Now I want you to notice these people have been with Jesus for three days days, for 72 hours. And it says that they ran out of food, which tells me that they came prepared. They had something. They, they maybe brought a lunch. Their water bottles were filled up for maybe one service or one day, but they weren't expecting three days of ministry. But once they got there and they got in the presence of Jesus, they did not want to leave. He was doing amazing things. He was healing the deaf, the blind, the mute, the paralyzed. Amazing things were happening. And they were truly held captive by the presence of Jesus for three days. And I, I believe that they didn't even notice that they were hungry, that they were so uh, just tuned in to the amazing things that, the, that were happening that the, that the hunger probably got pushed back to the back of their mind, and they didn't even notice at this point. But Jesus knew that they hadn't eaten, and he noticed. And he felt, he felt compassion for them. Notice it doesn't say that they came and said, Jesus, we're hungry, do something. He, he saw that they, that they hadn't had anything to eat, and they, he had compassion towards them. I think sometimes we think that complaining moves the hand of God, but it doesn't. It's compassion. So his heart goes out to these people. He tells the disciples that he's feeling for them, and the, this is how the disciples replied. It says, his disciples replied, now remember, this is a different crowd of people, same disciples. These disciples were at the feeding of the 5,000, same guys. They had just witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. And here's how they reply. How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Now, if I were Jesus, thank God I'm not Jesus. Because <laughs> if I were Jesus, I would have been like, are you serious right now, disciples? Are you for real? Are you, are, are, uh, what, what's wrong with you? Has your memory been wiped? Did, did Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, A, Agent K and Agent... Agent J, did they come and neuralize you guys, completely wipe out your memory of the feeding of the 5,000? But that's not how Jesus responded. He responded with a question. He said, he asked them, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. And this is why, this is why I think that this story made it into the Gospels. Think about this with me. The disciples were there. They experienced the feeding of the 5,000. Why? Why then, when Jesus comes to them, And says that he wants to feed this crowd of people. Why didn't they immediately give him the seven loaves that they had and say, here, Jesus, do your thing? Why? We'll we'll get into that in just a second. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. So Jesus told all the people to sit on the ground. He took the seven loaves. He thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found too, so Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. So there you have it. Jesus did not just feed the 5,000. He fed 9,000 plus plus. Women and children. Now, there's there's a couple different differences between the two stories. One being the amount of leftovers. When Jesus fed the five thousand, there were only twelve small baskets left over, like kind of like a basket you get like at Chipotle or something, a little basket. When he fed the feeding of the four thousand, there were seven large baskets left over. And when it talks about these large baskets, they're not little small wicker baskets. They're big rope baskets. It's it's the same kind of basket that Acts 9 talks about when they put Apostle Paul in a basket and they lower him over the wall. He's trying to escape from the Jews. And so these are seven large apostle-sized doggy bags, leftovers for days, right? Leftovers for days. Remember this. Now, right after this amazing miracle the feeding of the 4,000, the Jesus and his disciples, they get on a boat, and they take a six-hour trip across the lake. They're going to a different region, and when they get there, I'm sure that they were thinking they were going to stay a while, but the Pharisees are there to meet them, and the Pharisees start demanding Jesus to do a miracle, show us a sign. Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing here, says, you wish, he gets back in the boat, and they go across the lake again. And it's at this point the disciples realize something that I think we can all relate to. Look at verse fourteen. But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They only had one loaf of bread with them in the boat. How many times have you been out to eat? You order too much or, or you just can't finish what you have on your plate. You get a little doggy bag. You get some leftovers. You pay and you leave it on the table, right? Does this happen to anybody else? It happens to me all the time. And if, on the, but if by the off chance that I do remember to get my doggy bag and it makes it in my car, then when I get home, I usually leave it in the car, and so the next day, I don't have leftovers for lunch. And the next week and a half, I do have a car that smells like Mexican food. So I, I can relate to the disciples. They forgot their seven bags of leftover or their seven baskets of leftovers. Now, they didn't realize this until the second trip across the lake because the first trip, they were full. They had eaten until they were full. They probably... Hunger was not on their brains. They hadn't realized it yet. Like, you don't realize that you've lost your keys until you are ready to go somewhere. You don't realize that you don't have your check card until you go to pay for something. Well, the disciples didn't realize that they had forgotten the bread until they were on the boat. They thought they were going to stay somewhere. Now they're back on the boat. I'm sure they're just bored and restless, and now they're hungry. And then Jesus starts talking about the yeast of the Pharisees. And it's like when you're really hungry and you're watching the Food Network (laughs) And it just makes you even more hungry. It's like torture. So Jesus is talking about the yeast of the Pharisees, trying to teach them the spiritual principle, and they're just thinking about yeast rising and bread and rolls, and they're getting hungrier and hungrier until they just start arguing with each other, pointing fingers. Who forgot the bread in front of Jesus? And he overhears them and says this in verse 17. Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Look at these questions, he asked. Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said, don't you understand yet? He asked them. And then the story ends. And I imagine that the disciples said as quietly as you are sitting right now for the rest of that boat ride. I imagine it was just silence and awkwardness as they started to think through why they didn't look to Jesus. Why they were arguing, complaining about bread when the multiplier was right there with them. You know, I think that we want to believe so badly that Jesus is number one, that he's first place in our lives. But when we face trials, when we come up against a need, when we're up against a mountain, whether it's feeding 12 or feeding 4,000, we, we forget who's in the boat with us. And we start to spin, we start to toil, we, we start to have anxiety and worry and we lose sleep and we point fingers and, and we try to do everything in our own strength and our own power instead of realizing that the multiplier is right there, that the miracle worker is right there in the boat with us. These guys have lost their miracle mindset. I love these questions that Jesus asked them and I think that they're questions that we need to be asking ourselves On a regular basis. And so today I've got five points for you. And they're all points that are going to help us keep a miracle mindset. And they're all derived from those five questions that Jesus asked the disciples in that boat. The first question he asked them was, are your hearts too hard? Are your hearts too hard? And point number one is keep a soft heart. In order to have a miracle mindset, you have to keep a soft heart. One of the favorite things to do at our house especially for the girls, me and Sonny and Bo, one of our favorite things to do together is Play-Doh. And uh, I I don't know what it is about Play-Doh, but it's Play-Doh and coloring. Those are the two things that when the girls want to do that, it's like, yes, I will definitely do that with you. It's relaxing. It's calming. I don't know if it's like the stress ball thing where, like, pushing the Play-Doh. I I don't know. It's just relaxing to me. So we play Play Play-Doh often, and the thing that we run into is that sometimes someone... I won't say who, forgets to put the lid on the Play-Doh when we clean up. And how many know if you forget to put the lid on your Play-Doh, when you come back to get it the next time, you can't play with it. The Play-Doh is hardened. It's all dried out. You, you pour it out of the can. It's just a big rock. You can't do anything with it. If, if we don't keep the lid on the Play-Doh, the Play-Doh becomes hard. You can't work with it. It's not soft. It's not pliable. Our hearts can be like Play-Doh. If, we, if the lids of our hearts pop off, our hearts can get hardened, they can dry out, and then our hearts cannot receive the things that God wants to do in our lives. Uh, when we first started the church, Josh preached the message on healing. It was a really powerful message. And we had a family email us and saying, we're, we're going to leave the church, and here's why. We didn't like that message on healing. And come to find out that they had someone in their lives that they loved that was praying and believing for healing, and, and they died. And so they thought that, that we shouldn't be preaching that Jesus is healer like it's a fact. And you could tell reading this email that their hearts were hardened, that the confusion, the, the hurt, the bitterness that came in when that loved one died died. It, it, it built up in such a way that it popped the lid off of their heart and there their heart set, getting dry and hardening until God can't work with it anymore. And it's, it's in such a way that now, unless something miraculous happens, unless they do what we're about to talk about, they're never going to be able to receive miracles. And, and it's come to the point where now they don't want anybody else to receive a miracle either. That's what a hard heart does. Maybe someone's hurt you, offended you, hurt your feelings. Uh, they've betrayed your trust and you've let feelings build up and pop the lid. You've blown your lid and now your heart sits there hardened. For the disciples, maybe it was just being in ministry. Ministry's hard. Ministry will harden people real quick we 've seen it happen. That was our prayer going into planning this church. Lord. Help us keep a soft heart when sheep bite, when uh, the disciples had to deal with, <laughs> when they had to deal with the Pharisees, when they had to hear how people treated Jesus, the things that they saw, their heart was at risk of hardening, just like ours is. Look at this in Luke chapter eight. you don 't have to turn there, but it 's on the screens. Luke chapter 8, this is Jesus, and he's teaching the parable of the farmer scattering the seed. Look at verse 6. He says, Other seed fell among rocks, hard places. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. In order for things to grow, they need moisture. That's why the play dries out. It's because of lack of moisture. But look at verses 8 and 15. It says, Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as been planted. And then verse 15, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, look at this, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a harvest. To keep a soft harvest. Heart, here's what we got to do. We got to hear God's word and we got to cling to God's word no matter what. Even if we don't uh, have a prayer answered that we're believing for. Something doesn't work out the way that we're, it's supposed to. It, even if we go through a huge, tremendous loss. Even if we go through heartache. Even if someone hurts our feelings. We cling to God's word. We hear God's word and we cling to it no matter what. If not, our hearts are going to get hardened and we're not going to be able to receive I love what Hebrews 4.12 says about God's word. It says that it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. If you're dealing with some things in your heart, some wrong thinking, some wrong attitudes, we all deal with this stuff. But if we get in God's word, God's word will penetrate. It will judge those thoughts and those attitudes, and it will point those things out and say, hey, your thinking here is wrong. You need to change your attitude here. So if you get into God's word, God's word will help keep your heart soft. So to have a miracle mindset, number one, you have to keep a soft heart. The second question that Jesus asked the disciples was, can't you see? Can't you see? You have eyes. Can't you see? So the second point is keep your eyes focused. we got to keep a soft heart. we got to keep our eyes focused. When I was in third grade, uh, I was actually talking to my mom about this yesterday. Uh, she took me to a uh, an exam for my eyes to get my eyes examined because I think a teacher had seen me squinting or something and mentioned it to her. So they decided to get my eyes checked out and the eye doctor was blown away at how horrible my vision was. They could not believe that I wasn't struggling in school, that I hadn't been (laughs) running into things because I had like negative six point something in this eye and negative seven something in this eye. And so, so my vision was terrible and they order me some glasses, have to special order glasses, because they didn't have the, the lenses there on site. And so a week later, I go and pick up these new glasses. And they were horrible. <laughs> they were round, really thick lenses, but they were amazing. I put them on, and I could see. And I remember driving home from that appointment with my glasses on and noticing things that I'd never noticed before. For instance, when we pulled up to my house I remember seeing the shingles in the roof. For my whole life, I thought that our roof was one solid uh, piece of material. I'd never noticed the individual shingles. And so uh, the next morning, it was a Saturday, and as soon as I woke up, I reached over to my windowsill, put on my big old glasses, and came out into the living room. And my teenage siblings, who were super embarrassed, uh, you have to understand, when I was a kid, I I was super cute for a while. I was like a kid model. And then things just went south. And <laughs> I I got a really bad haircut. My teeth grew in. The modeling agencies were not calling back. Um, and then I get these glasses. And so my, my siblings were very embarrassed of me. So I come out. I've got my glasses on. And uh, one of them was like, Sarah, you don't have to wear those glasses all the time. And I was like, I kind of do, I cannot see without them. And even though my glasses were ugly, and even though my siblings were so embarrassed of me, I wore my glasses because seeing is important. If we don't have 20 20 vision, we're gonna miss things, all right? So right after Jesus and the disciples uh, hit the shore after their awkwardly silent boat ride, uh, it says, let's see, it says this in verse 22. It says, then he, Jesus, Came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him. This is probably not a coincidence. They brought a blind man to him and begged Jesus to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. So he can see, but things are still not twenty twenty. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored, and he saw everyone clearly. Now, right after Jesus has said, you have eyes, can't you see? Then they witnessed Jesus heal a man who had eyes but could not see. They witness him spit on this man's eyes, wipe away the seal, the crust, whatever had, had, had formed over this man's eyes. And then they see his vision restored clearly. And I'm sure they were thinking to themselves, I got to open my eyes. Our eyes aren't open. Not our physical eyes, but, but the eyes of my heart. Remember that old song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to see you. The eyes of the disciples' heart, or yeah, the, the eyes of their hearts were not open opened. They were very present at the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. They participated in both of these amazing miracles. They they not only uh, in the feeding of the 4,000 gave their own bread, but they helped distribute it. They helped pick up the leftovers. They helped organize the crowd. They were there. They ate the miraculous bread, but somehow they didn't see fully. They didn't take it all in. I wonder if they were just so busy. You know, they were doing a good thing. Sometimes we can be doing a good thing. We're busy. We're serving the Lord. We're working. But if we're not intentional about soaking it all in and really seeing it with the eyes of our hearts, we can miss out on what God is doing, you can be in a church service where God is moving, and if you are distracted, if the eyes of your heart are sealed over, then you're gonna miss out. And I believe that's what the disciples were doing. They were so busy. Maybe they were trying to Insta story or live tweet the thing, and they missed out on the heart of what had happened. The eyes of their heart were not seeing 2020. We miss out on who God is—the God who was and is. And is to come. If if we're distracted, you know, uh, I love that that God was and is and is to come. Sometimes we forget that God is a God of right now. What is God doing right now? We're too distracted. We're too on our phones. We're too busy with good things that we miss out on what He's doing right now. You know, Josh and I. In our team, we are excited about the future of New Song. We are, we are actively looking for a building and praying. And, and it's something that we talk about all the time, that we pray about all the time, that we think about all the time. But we're very careful that we don't get so enthralled about what God's going to do that we miss out on what he's doing right now. Sometimes we need to ask the Lord to come and spit on our eyes. Would you spit on our eyes? Would you help us to see things clearly? Just like this man, he, he, his eyes were opened And he could see, but it was the trees and and the men. He couldn't tell which was which. Sometimes our eyes are open and we're just not seeing right. Our perspective is off. If you want to have a miracle mindset, you need to ask the Lord to open the eyes of your heart so that you don't miss what he's doing right now. The third question that Jesus asked was, can't you hear? You have ears. Can't you hear? So to have a miracle mindset, number three is you have to keep your ears open. Open. So we've got to keep our hearts soft, we have to keep our eyes focused, and we have to keep our ears open. If your ears aren't open, then your faith isn't growing. And if you don't have faith, you're not going to see miracles happening in your life because faith is the currency of heaven. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing the message, and the message that is heard is what Christ spoke. In order for our faith to grow, we have to have our listening ears on. What is Jesus saying? What is Christ saying? Josh closes every message is, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Are you listening? Are your ears open? I want to look at what Jesus said to the disciples, the feeding of the 4,000. Remember what he asked them? He said, how much bread do you have? I want you to hear with your ears this morning the same question. How much bread do you have? Or in other words, how much faith do you have? You know, when the disciples looked at their bread, they had seven loaves. And I'm sure to them they thought, this isn't enough. This isn't enough to feed all of these people. And sometimes when we look at our situations, we look at the faith in our hand and we say, this isn't enough. Compared to this mountain that we're up against, I don't have enough. But I want you to hear Jesus says, how much bread do you have? How much faith do you have? Whatever your answer is, his reply is, I can work with that. I can work with that. Whatever, however much bread you have, I can work with it. The disciples in the boat that night had one loaf of bread. Mark makes sure to note that. They did have one loaf of bread In their hands, it didn't seem like enough, but they were forgetting who they were in the boat with. They should have put it in his hand and let him say, yeah, I can work with that. Because he's amazing, he's miraculous, his resources are unlimited. Listen, you could have a crumb of bread in your hand, and not just any crumb. A crumb like that Dr. Seuss talks about in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, it's a crumb too small for the other whose mouse is. It could be a tiny little speck. And if you put it in the hands of Jesus, Open your ears and hear him say, I can work with that. I can work with it. Josh, um, if you are friends with Josh and he texts, texts you every once in a while, I'm sure he sent you a meme. He loves to send memes, loves to send gifts, and uh, thinks they're amusing. Some are not, but he sends them anyways. And uh, he every once in a while, he'll send me the hey girl memes. Does anybody know the hey girl memes? They have Ryan Gosling's face on them, and then they're followed by really cheesy pickup lines. This is my favorite. Casey, would you please put up that Ryan Gosling meme for me? Can you see this? It says, Hey girl, is your name Faith? Because you are the substance of things hoped for. I just had to share that because, one, now you will never forget what faith is. Ryan Gosling has forever sealed that in your, in your mind. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, faith takes those things that we are hoping for and it sets them before our very eyes. If the disciples would have put their faith, if they would have taken that one loaf of bread and put it in the hands of Jesus, they would have seen 12 loaves or more show up in that boat. Faith makes those things that we're hoping for be real, be tangible. Like like Abraham, his faith in God, his hope in God, it, it became real. Uh, he saw with his own eyes a son born to him at an old age. Like Noah saw with his own eyes his family preserved after God, God flooded the earth. Like Moses saw with his own eyes God split the Red Sea. Like the leopard saw, leper saw with his own eyes his body healed and whole. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Matthew 17, Jesus himself said, Faith, as small as a mustard seed, can move mountains. It can restore your marriage. It can bring your lost children back to Jesus. It can help you get that promotion. It can give you the strength that you need. It can heal your body. A small, tiny seed of faith, when placed in the mighty hands of God, has the power to do miraculous things. To have a miracle mindset, you need to keep your ears open. You need to hear Jesus saying, I can work with whatever you have. Just come and place it in my hand. Number four, the fourth question that Jesus asked is, don't you remember? Don't you remember? To keep a miracle mindset, you have to keep your mouth thankful. Keep your mouth thankful. You know, it's uh, frowned upon to talk with your mouth full of food, right? It's gross. My daughter Sunny is learning to eat with her mouth full, to not talk with her mouth full. We're taught that from a young age. But we are to talk with our mouth full of praise. Our mouth should always be full of praise. Look at this in Psalm 34.1. It says, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. You guys thought that Bethel came up with that line, but they straight ripped it from David. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Okay, so I've never noticed this until this week, but, sorry, I love Bethel. Uh, I've never noticed this until this week, but the disciples were super ungrateful. They were such an ungrateful bunch of guys. I I didn't read through the whole Gospels this week because I didn't have time, but I, I looked at several stories and never came across a time where they were just like, you know what? Thank you, Jesus. And both the story of the 4,000 and the 5,000, the feedings. They never said thank you one time. There's record of Jesus saying thank you. He broke the bread and gave thanks. But they never said thank you. Thank you for feeding these people. Thank you for taking what we had and multiplying it. Thank you for letting us be a part of this miracle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being you. They weren't thankful. And because of that, I think that's why they had a hard time remembering. I think sometimes we do... God does things in our lives, and we, 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 we recognize it. We're like, oh, wow, that was cool. But are we intentionally thankful? Josh and I have been married for almost 14 years now, and I still remember who got us what for our wedding shower and, uh, and our uh, actual wedding, our wedding gifts. I can remember when I use those items, I still think of the people that bought them for us, like Brandon and Phoebe Anderson, who are now our, our kids' pastors, and Phoebe's our, our Mile 2 director they got us our waffle maker. And anytime I make waffles, I think of Brandon and Phoebe. And one of my friends from school, Kelly Foster, she got uh, Josh the, uh, the little shake mixer that he registered for that I didn't know what it was, and he still uses that thing every single day. Uh, I, I remember that our shower hostesses got together and got me our KitchenAid mixer. And my old boss, Jack Abbott, got me our toaster. And my Uncle Robbie, he got me the garlic press that I have still never used to this day. If you ever um, need a garlic press, just let me know. You can borrow mine. Um, I remember these things because whenever I got them, I opened the card to see who they were from, sat down, took time, put pen to paper, and actually thanked them for the gifts. Thank you so much, Brandon and Phoebe, for the waffle maker. We will use it every time we make waffles. We love you guys. Love Josh and Sarah. Put it in an envelope, addressed it, put a stamp on it, took it to the mail. Took it to the mailbox, and something about that has has always helped me remember who got me those gifts because I was intentional with my thankfulness. Listen, go buy a box of thank you cards this week—a box of twelve, a box of twenty-four. And sit down and write out some thank you cards to Jesus. And so when you're up against something, when you're in need, when you're up against a mountain, you get that little box of thank you cards out and you remind yourself of all that God has done in your life. The Bible tells us to forget not the benefits of Christ. It warns us to forget not because it knows that if we're not careful, we can forget. We are at risk for forgetting. If the disciples who were there, who were present, who just ate of this miraculous bread, all of a sudden had this short-term memory loss, in the boat that night, instead of arguing, shouldn't they have been like, man, isn't Jesus awesome? Aren't you thankful we get to be on his team? Aren't you thankful? Wasn't that bread good? Instead of thanking God, they, they get in this place of complaining, So be thankful. If you want a miracle mindset, you have to have a thankful heart. You have to keep your mouth thankful. The fifth question, and I'll close with this. The fifth fifth question he asked was, don't you understand yet? To have a miracle mindset, you have to keep your conscience clear. You have to keep your heart soft. You have to keep your eyes focused. You have to keep your ears open. You have to keep your mouth thankful. And you have to keep your conscience clear. Uh, I'm sure that the disciples, since they were the ones who forgot the bread, that they were feeling guilty. You know, we, we blew it. We messed up. Whoever, Peter, Andrew, one of you forgot the bread. We can't really go to Jesus now because we blew it. We would look foolish to come to him and say, uh, Jesus, we forgot that miraculous bread. So um, can you do it again? They, they didn't want to do that. They were feeling shame. They 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 were they were coming into this my bad mindset. It's my bad. We forgot the bread. My bad. We'll we'll just deal, or we'll just argue, we'll just complain. But we're not dare going to go to Jesus because we messed up. How many times throughout the day do we have these my bad moments where where we 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 sin, we mess up, we fall short of the glory, like we all do? I I I I I forgot to pray this week, Lord. It's my bad. I, I, I forgot to tithe. It's my bad. I, uh, I spent two hours worrying over that thing that I know I shouldn't be worried about. That's my bad. I, I sinned again. I looked at pornography again. It's my bad. I yelled at my kids even though I promised that I wouldn't. It's my bad. I talked about my friend behind her back that's my bad. We put all these my bads on ourselves, and they begin to pile up. And we let those my bads put this huge wedge between us and the miraculous. We think we don't deserve it. The disciples that night in the boat, they felt like they didn't deserve it. We weren't good stewards. He gave us bread. We lost it. How can we go to him now and expect anything? But they didn't understand yet. When he said, don't you understand? they didn't understand. They didn't understand that they didn't have to be perfect because Jesus was being perfect for them. And he was perfect for you and for me. So I don't have to be perfect because Jesus was perfect in my place. They didn't understand that Jesus was 100% truth, but he was also 100% grace. He wasn't half and half. He's 100% both truth and grace. And if they would have come to him, if they would have taken that one loaf and said, Jesus, we forgot he would have said, it's okay. Here, take and eat. He would have multiplied it. I know he would have. That's the heart of our father. Listen, whatever you're dealing with, 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 whatever things you have going on in your lives, don't let that keep you from coming to Jesus and saying, hey, I messed up, but I still need you. When we mess up, that's when we need Jesus the most. I I, I believe that there's people that when we we open up the altars at the end of the service and we say come forward for prayer there's people that say no i can't come forward for prayer i know what i've done i i came for up for prayer a couple weeks ago and then squandered away the thing that 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 jesus blessed me with we're afraid to come forward we feel like we've we've messed up too much i love what what rick warren says he says that we need to practice what's called spiritual breathing You breathe out your sins. You breathe out your my bads. Listen, I did mess up. The disciples, listen, we forgot. Come and confess. We forgot. We messed up. And then you breathe in God's power and God's cleansing. John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Your conscience needs to line up with that. Don't you understand Psalm 32, one through two says, what happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joys when sins are covered. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. Listen, understand. The disciples didn't understand because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. Jesus has gone to the cross, and he wants you to understand what the cross was for. He wants you to understand that the cross is a completed work. He wants you to understand that because of his blood, you can come boldly. You can come boldly to the throne, even if you've had a week of my bads. You come boldly to the throne, and you receive grace, and you receive mercy. You receive miracles. You receive the answers to your prayer. I believe that we will see more miracles take place when we have a better understanding of the cross and what it means. Don't you understand? Don't you understand? We have to keep our conscience clear. That night in the, in the boat, they had one loaf of bread. They were surrounded by fish. They were on a lake, and they were in the boat with the multiplier, and they didn't look to him to multiply. Listen, church, don't be in the boat with the multiplier and not look to him to multiply. He wants to do miracles in your life. He's the God of miracles. Expect miracles. Keep your heart in the right place. Examine yourself. Ask yourself those five questions. Instead of pointing to him that day in the boat, they started pointing at each other, pointing in all different directions. I'm pointing you to him this morning. I'm pointing you to him because I don't want you to keep going through, that, through life with a hardened heart that can't receive. I don't want you to, to lose sleep over something instead of turning to Jesus first. Try to figure it out on your own. Turn to him first. Open your eyes. Let him wipe those distractions and help you to see that he's right there. I'm pointing you to him this morning because I don't want you to hold on to that bread in your hand and think that it's not enough. I want you to open your ears this morning and I want you to hear not me say, I'm not saying this, I want you to hear Jesus say, I can work with that. Whatever you have in your hand, he can work with it. He can do miracles. I'm pointing you to him this morning because I don't want you to suffer memory loss. I don't want you to live a life unfazed and ungrateful for what Jesus is doing and what he has done. I don't want you to forget his faithfulness. I don't want you to keep your my bads from all of his goodness. I love that the disciples came around, Right? Disciples came around after Jesus' death and resurrection and after they were filled with the Spirit. They not only got to see more miracles, but they got to be the hands and the feet that he worked through to perform miracles. Jesus wants to do miracles in you, New Song Church. He wants to do miracles in you, and he wants to do miracles through you. But you have to have a miracle mindset. You have to keep your heart soft. You have to keep your eyes focused. You have to keep your ears open. You have to keep your mouth thankful, and you have to keep your conscience clear. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are a God of miracles. You are the multiplier. I thank you, Jesus, that you're here with us right now, that we're in the boat, that we've got a little seed in our hand, that we're surrounded by fish, and that you want to do something amazing in the lives of people here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that they would open their ears and hear you say that I can work with that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to go ahead and invite our altar ministry team to come forward. Listen, Jesus is here. This is a place where he's usually not welcome. Jesus and the public school system don't mix well generally, but he's here this morning. He's been here since 6 a.m. when David and the team got here and began to worship him. Because where worship goes, he goes. He comes and he's, he's made a throne here this morning. We enter the gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his presence with thanksgiving. He's here this morning. Open your eyes to see him. If you have need of a miracle, when we go back into this song, I want you to come forward with whatever bread you have in your hand, and I want you to place it in Jesus' hand, and I want you to, you to expect him to do miracles because he promises that he is a God of miracles, whatever it is, if it's a small miracle. It may seem small to you. Still, come forward. He wants to work with what you have in your hands. Come forward, let him work in your lives. Lord, we thank you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you draw anyone who's in need of a miracle. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.